The hosts feel it would be a little unkind to present this podcast without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein, a man of science who sought to create a man after his own image without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now's your chance to. Well, we've warned you. Hello, and welcome once again to the Frankencast. I'm the mad scientist, Anthony Bowman. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm joined as always by... The pinecone bag that is Eric Velasquez. My pronouns are also he, him. And we're also joined by... The blue eye light that never goes out, also known as the brag. Hey. Ah, so yeah, this is a, a, a first time sort of confluence here. Um, if, if you all follow us over on patreon.com slash the Frankencast, you might uh, recognize this third voice. Um... We've done a couple little things over there, but uh, this week we're, we uh, we decided to all get together to talk about this wonderfully wholesome British film, Brian and Charles. That's right. The only movie you guys have talked about that I have seen and liked. Aww. <laughs> so far. <laughs> so far. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Maybe. I was like, I will talk about this one. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, or at least the parts... That I watched, I skip. Uh, I skip. Well, we'll we'll get there. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, and it's fitting because you know it's like almost a thruple going on, like in the movie. Yeah, yeah in the movie <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very accurate. <laughs> I'm okay um, with being the. I'm okay with being the Charles. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean Charles is definitely the 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 show stealer mm-hmm. in this movie. For real. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so we, um, you know, we start out in this one, we've got like this, we're, we're kind of, it's kind of a mockumentary style thing. It doesn't lean too hard into it. There are moments where like, it kind of gets away from actually being that, but moments, Yeah. you mean like the entire movie? I wrote that down. I was like, who is filming this? Right. Who decided to film this fella before, like, and it reminded me of S town where they just found like some dude in his garage who makes shit. And they were like we are going to make a documentary about this guy. And they did. And then when he like invents a robot, spoiler, <laughs> it was just like, Oh yeah. Coincidence. And it's like, nobody was like, we were doing this. Have, you know, like they dropped, dropped that really fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they, they definitely, uh, they just let it go. Yeah. Most of the movie. Then they pick it up at the very end. <laughs> at the very end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start off. Uh, we've got kind of a, a, a sad sack kind of uh, individual we will find out is named Brian, who's kind of banging away in his shed <laughs> mm. <laughs> on something. But he's content. He's yeah. not like sad sack. Like he might be sad sack to you, but Brian is content with yeah. his, you know, he lives in a simple little Welsh town and a, he named his cottage and stuff. Like he's happy. He's, he's happy-ish and yeah. he's content. I'll go with happy-ish. Yeah, I think- 
I don't know if he's fully content because there are moments when it's like, yeah, I, this is where I'd keep this thing for my friends if I had them. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a very lonely man who has like found a way to be oh. content in his situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, with the whole documentary thing, like he's very very excited to have some people around. Right. Um, he kind of gives them a tour of his house. Um, shows his cabbage bin because he <laughs> eats so much cabbage that he requires a separate bin just for cabbage. Anthony, anytime we mention cabbages, I need you to like find the file from Avatar The Last Airbender where the <laughs> cabbage vendor is like, my cabbages! <laughs> and throw that in there. My cabbages! Because we're gonna... We can have a whole ass Franking cast drinking game. Right, oh, dear God, Just this do episode. Go do Every that. time you say cabbages, do a shot. Oh, we kill people. Good luck yeah. if you walk tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, but yeah, and this, so he takes them into his, his inventions pantry, which is also just a cow shed. Right. <laughs> By the way, uh, his, his house is named Plock's Green Cottage. Heck of a name. Yeah. As yeah. Welsh as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so in the pantry, he shows us several of his inventions, which are progressively <laughs> worse inventions. Are they inventions or just stuff cobbled together? <laughs> What's the difference sometimes, Bill? Yeah. yeah, like the first one, like you mentioned earlier, is the pine cone bag, which is just a bag that he glued pine cones to. You know, that came back in a way I didn't expect. <laughs> yeah. it, really? Yeah. yeah, later on. Mm-hmm. You, yep. Spoilers again. <laughs> and then he's got the egg belt, which is just a belt that has like a little egg cup holder thing attached <laughs> to the side. But he shows you the egg belt after he goes into the kitchen and shows you eggs. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but let's, let's not forget the, the ping pong, pingy ping pong puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a bunch of ping pong balls. And springs, <laughs> like a deconstructed slinky. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And then, hands down, the worst invention is... A helmet that has a vacuum cleaner attached to it, so that when you put it on, it just sucks all the air out and almost kills you. Right? It's like that's the suicide machine, dude. Don't do that. <laughs> and but it's for- like okay, you might have to. But they have sex toys like that, right? Okay. <laughs> no, he, came, fair, he basically fair. just put a sex toy on his head. Okay, we're gonna come back to that. We're gonna talk about that here in a moment. Because there's a thing I think is a sex toy that was low-key in this, okay? Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking uh-huh. about. We <laughs> okay. Remember that wholesome movie started that way? Yeah. Low-key low filled with sex toys. Uh, the recording with me goes to sex toys in T-minus. Yeah. <laughs> she got through three minutes. Okay. Yeah. And then we get a, a nice little just outside shot of a cow on a hill. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely, like, leaning into the fact that this is, like, a weird little rural small town. Um, and uh, so then, you know, it, it's clear, like, he kind of, he philosophizes about his uh, his inventions, you know. Like, it's clear that this is the meaning that he's found in his life. Like, he's, uh, you know, he's lonely, but he's happy when he's tinkering in the shed. Um, and, you know, like, talking about how, like, these aren't really inventions. He calls them inventions, but I think what he really is is an outsider artist. Yeah. Like, he's creating weird works of art that make him happy. <laughs> if you look at it that way, this man's a genius in his own right. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because he even invents his flying cuckoo clock, which is a cuckoo <laughs> clock strapped to a bike, 
with a big fan engine or a fan on the back <laughs> and some wings that I, I'm pretty sure are made out of cardboard. Yeah. Yes. But, and, and I love that his fire alarm is just honking. Mm -hmm. But I actually saw the, the cart the second time around as foreshadowing like when he talks about how he just wants to like fly away mm -hmm. like i saw it as like a little bit of foreshadowing in the way the storyline with charles plays out mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, yeah i laughed a lot but also the like the honking horn <laughs> alarm <laughs> right yeah Whereas his cuckoo clock he tries to fly his cuckoo clock because he wants people to be able to look up at him from the time and be like oh it's 15 past two or something like that but he just gets down the road the thing catches on fire and he pulls out this just horn and honks at the crew to get him away from the few times the crew shows up yeah and he's but he's like it's on fire it's on it's on fire can't you see can't you see it's on fire honk 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 and then it cuts to just like later on he's being interviewed again and he's just like you know sometimes the inventions don't work that's fine like i'm you know i got all kinds of stuff up in my brain you know it's just on to the next one like he he's not defeated like he is just like yeah, I tried that. Didn't work. We'll try something else tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just need to move uh, on to the next one, right? Yeah. And then we to kind of like see a little bit more about how this village he lives in works. Uh, we get this scene of him in like the little village market. Uh, we meet the the lady who runs the the market, June. Mm -hmm. So, uh, pardon. Mm -hmm. You keep acting like this is a weird rural village. It's not, though. Right. Like, you and I have actually been to locations like this that these are just, like, the standard-ass mm -hmm. old English town. Like, this is... We stayed at one of those bed and breakfasts. This is mm -hmm. just how those British towns are. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, to people from, like, London or people from America, this right. is like, oh, these are these weird, quaint... You know, I mean, even, like... We used to live in a small town in the mountains in Tennessee, and it was like this. You know, just small towns are weird by Makes nature sense. of everybody yeah. knowing each other and like. Yeah, fair. Can uh, you edit that part out, please? No, I mean you're you're <laughs> right. Like it, it's nope, staying in. Pe people are weird in small towns. That's what it's she said. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we meet June, and she's like this really sweet lady. Is it? What is the thing that he gets? Is it pudding cups? It looks like those little cups of cereal. Or like okay. little graham crackers in those little cups. That makes sense because they talk about it going stale. Custard! It could be. They're, like, like they always have, like, canned custard over there. Mm -hmm. Regardless, he, he's like, he finds these little little canister things, and one of them is open. And he's like, hey, hey, June, this one's already open. And she's like, oh, then take that one. You can have that one for free. And he's like, no, I wouldn't do that. She's like, it's going to go stale. I can't sell it. Just right. take it. So he buys two, and... Um, He's having trouble finding his money, and she's like, "Oh, you could just pay, you know, pay me later." It's you know, it, it, it's, it's like she knows you don't have much money, so mm -hmm. yeah. And she's just this sweet lady who's probably you, takes care of the whole village like this. Yeah, you know, uh, like you can, like June is trustworthy. Like oh, yeah. that, June is trustworthy. You immediately have sympathy for her. You realize she's an ally because she yeah. gave him. She's very sweet, yeah. but he does find his one pound. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which also, like, just his charitable, like, you know, you've seen his house. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't have much. Mm -hmm. And he still, like, finds that. And she offered to give it to him, but he cares enough about her mm -hmm. 
that he so like it get, I thought that just that scene gave so much insight into it does. his place in the town and um, his connections that he builds with people mm-hmm. and how much that came up later with Charles like that I thought that really what built some groundwork for uh, the emotional resonance that builds exactly. yeah I agree it looks like something's on Brian's shoes now, though, as he's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's like, nope, those are just trawler nets for shoes. <laughs> <laughs> because you need that, you see. Obviously, June. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the face he makes when he says that is just, he's kind of like, oh, you know, like, it's it's like, I'm just being silly, you know, like, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. But, yeah. Um, and I think that that this this movie is very distinctly British. Like something about the way that he responded to that, like it reminded me of kind of like the sort of surrealist humor of like the British Office or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but the difference here is there is the heart here is is absent. Mm-hmm. Usually when you have this kind of like absurdist humor stuff, it's usually a little sarcastic. It's a little mean, and and mean humor is fine in certain cases, but it's it's. The, the needle of this movie threads of being like absurd but also very sweet and kind um, that's got to be really tricky to do and they nail it yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. very very much so he heads home he stops and digs through he, there's like a trash pile by the side of the road that he digs through to see if he can you know find some good invention stuff yeah that's where the good stuff's hidden right <laughs> hey okay now Eric <laughs> no, I, I'm being serious <laughs> I have literally waited until midnight and walked through the neighborhood to old auctions where they threw everything out, piled all the trash bags in my car, Mm -hmm. and came home and sorted through the shit. I love trash. I was right there with him. I've done done my fair bit of dumpster diving, you know? The best gag in here is he's like, one time I was digging through a pile looking for metal, and I found a metal detector. (laughs) Okay, this is where he pulls out this giant inflatable bouncy ball with two very weirdly solid uh, prongs on the head. Uh Uh-huh. Very inflated. From the ground, it's just been, it's in great, yeah, like you said, it's in great, great shape. (laughs) It is ready to play kickball, (laughs) and it's just been sitting there unused. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's overly used, who knows. Yeah, I... Why you always always look in the trash? It's where the good kickballs are. (laughs) One of the things he also finds is a mannequin head. He takes a shine to that head. Yeah, he's like, that's interesting. He takes that, and then, yeah, at home, he starts talking to the, the crew again, and he's like, I think I'm going to build a robot. Uh, you know, that's if you're an inventor, that's pretty much like the holy grail. You want to build a robot, mm-hmm. uh, and he thinks he's ready, which, like, you know, I feel like after the failure of the cuckoo clock, most inventors would, like, step back, but he's like, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a robot now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, so then we kind of get a little bit of, like, a montage of him... You know, kind of putting things together. I like how he has a... Uh, so he gets a dishwasher, which is really interesting. But he also has a book called How to Build Things. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. You, yeah. you need that as an inventor, right? It's a washing machine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Yeah, washing machine. You're right. And so, yeah, he, like, digs through some parts. Mm-hmm. He, like, holds up some things. He's like, this could be a hand. He's got a glove. This could be a belly button. And it's just, like, some <laughs> weird big cog that would be... <laughs> a very large weird belly button but right and this uh, could be his foot which is just like a metal what bent metal rod <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he's just kind of like chuckling to him. He's just like, yeah, you know, I get ideas everywhere. Like anything could be anything if you, you think about it long enough. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we pretty much cut to like the next morning and he's got a robot that's that's ready to go with mannequin head attached to the, the washing machine, wearing a sweater. Damn. Quick weird point. Okay, hang on. So he held the thing up and he was like, this could be a foot. But Charles has like two whole ass prosthetic legs <laughs> from down so where did those come from like was Duke just he just had two prosthetic legs that he forgot about maybe <laughs> or did he find them and if so where did he find them so quickly right. in such a small town i just have some questions about how we went from this metal rod could be a foot to Two, like, fucking Oscar Pretorius legs. Okay. Or also, did he pull a rocket raccoon and just steal somebody's prosthetic legs? Out Correct. Him? Correct. And where did he find said individual on such short notice in a Welsh town? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, ar- some questions. the arms are basically, like, just dryer uh, tube things, Tubes. right? Aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, with, just with, good, uh, good classic. gloves at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he tries, he's like, all right, we're going to activate. And he like flips the switch and nothing happens. But something very important happens in that little kitchen. You're introduced to Mr. Williams. Mm-hmm. Who's, oh, his, who mouse. Is yeah. his mouse, who is his Igor. Right. <laughs> he also eats his cheese. Yeah. He eats his cheese. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, once he, he like flips the little switch, like I think it's on Charles's neck, mm-hmm. uh, or not Charles, on the robot's neck. Um, oh, he gave, and... gave away the plot. <laughs> Spoilers! God, yeah. you guys are awful. Um, but yeah, nothing happens. He tries it a couple times, and he's just like, okay, fine, you know, moving on to the next thing. Like, he is, he's, this one, he seems a little more defeated than he was about the clock, but he's still just like, you know, it's fine. Um, he well, goes he, upstairs. He literally goes, he starts saying, you know, that's life, isn't it? One door closes, another door opens, then, you know, another door closes, another door opens. <laughs> and it's like, you know, he, it comes to the point where he's like, well, I guess in the end, you know, one door's, all the doors are going to close for good. One <laughs> yeah. It's like, doors well, open and close. It just happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's definitely used to failure and like just ready to, you know, kind of move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get another scene of him down in the town and he bumps into a, a woman on the street named Hazel. Yeah, it's just like they, they like each other a little bit, but they're both so awkward they can't express that. <laughs> yeah. Or they're so, so British slash Welsh. But they also can't communicate that. Yeah, it's definitely, a, yeah, a little bit of column A and a little column B there. And, like, it kind of gets to the point where he's just like, I'm very busy, bye now, because he just doesn't know what else to say. Mm-hmm. One thing that they do mention is they talk about the bonfire. This town has a big bonfire every year, and it's coming up. Yeah, it'd be cool if that had something to do with the plot later on, right? <laughs> right. Okay, cool. All right, but yeah, we also have a storm rolling in. It'd be yep. cool if that had something to do with the plot later, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, if if our Frankenstein connections weren't obvious, there's this huge lightning storm. Okay, question about... Mm-hmm. Okay, so Mary Shelley invented horror, correct? Yeah. Right, yeah. horror and sci-fi. Were people scared of thunderstorms before? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, like, it, but they had not been incorporated into horror then, right? Like... Did she lay the groundwork for storms being harbingers of, like, dark things coming? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good idea, actually. That's 
Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I'm sure you know, like with the the sound and the the like damage that they do, people sounded are, scary. Right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, well, I mean, the, the origin origin of something called the um, the Wild Hunt, you know, yeah. Odin hunting spirits, that was mm. supposed to be the thunderstorm, right? That right. Was okay. The pounding of his Sleipnir's hooves or whatever. Yeah, and Thor. And, yeah. yeah. But so it was it was it the same kind of fear? Yes. Like or like is there this whole other underlying fear that we have as a society that built that Mary Shelley just created? Like a pretty arbitrary fear that runs through everybody that is that thunderstorms are associated with horror in some way, and that there's a different kind of fear there than just what would have been there in the year before she wrote the book. It could, yeah, because I mean, the, there's there's the like the part where Victor sees a tree struck by lightning, and he says, you know, I never saw anything so utterly destroyed, and that sort of becomes like the catalyst for. You know, I think galvanism was already a, a thing, like the idea of electricity. You know creating mm -hmm. like or having an effect on life but yeah mary shelley definitely combined those things i don't know when i was watching it i thought it was really it was interesting okay so this is kind of an aside but the phrase it was a dark stormy night actually occurred around 1830 is when edward bulwer lytton wrote it down originally so that was 15 years after mary shelley so it could be that she put that into the zeitgeist uh, okay uh, yeah. that's, what, that's exactly the phrase I was thinking, Eric. Thank you. That like she she yes embedded that into us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, in addition to it being a scary thing, like it's definitely also uh, you know it's a energizing thing. Mm -hmm. Which um, you know, when he gets home, he sees light in the house and someone moving. Something's going on in that cow shed, right? Yeah, and he's like, "Did you see that?" to the to the crew, and then we get like. This movie is, you know, it's not a scary movie. It's not a horror movie. But for a little bit here, we do kind of get a horror scene. Like, he's running through the house. He's scared. He's talking about his heart's racing because there's an intruder in his house and he doesn't know what's going on. Right. But then he, he runs outside and there in the garden is his robot standing there holding, holding a, a cabbage. <laughs> I love that. Take a shot. Yep, there you go. <laughs> and he's like, put... The cabbage, the cabbage down, down. <laughs> <laughs> and the robot is like frozen in place and then just the cabbage falls out of his hand onto the ground yeah he's like come on we're getting inside we're getting inside the house and he's pulling this robot inside of his house <laughs> yeah like no questions asked though he's he's not like what the fuck is happening who is this i don't know why there is the machine that i built is in my house with a cabbage at the moment <laughs> Like, it's just, this is normal. I have to take care of this the same way I would have to take care of my dog shitting on the carpet. Right, exactly. He definitely does talk to the robot like a, a pet. Like, the way he, he's like, it's the way you talk to a dog that you're trying to calm down and get away from, like, another, you know, if, like, a dog's fighting and stuff. You're like, get back, calm down. It's okay, boy, you know. And, like, then when he gets him in the house, he starts, like, whistling Silent Night to kind right. of calm him down. No, it's Rock My Baby. No, it's Silent Night. Is it Silent Night? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> I know, don't know a lot no, about Jesus. No, because, <laughs> because I thought the same thing, and I'm like, no, wait. Because, yeah, there's that whole part with, uh, I don't want to, basically, all is calm, all is bright. 
just the the cadence of the song. Yeah. Okay. They well, do have a I'm similar gonna... melody to start mm-hmm. with, so that would that would make sense. But yeah. Um, I was thinking the rock by Dave just really like signaled their relationship. Well, yeah. But like yeah. Silent Night, I guess Silent Night does too. But still, it was yeah. Well, I, I, know, I just think that's his go-to like... is whistling Silent Night. <laughs> yes, that I mean that that tracks for that dude. You know that guy. Mm-hmm. He tried to join the acapella group in elementary <laughs> school, but just didn't could only whistle Silent Night. <laughs> Couldn't make it. Uh. Yeah, and so I think, like, after he calms the robot down, they just kind of fall asleep together, or he falls asleep, mm-hmm. uh, and then when he wakes up in the morning, the robot is kind of, like, wandering around his house. Can I just say that I think the real storyline here should be Brian's incredible tailoring skills? Right. <laughs> like, dude made a great grandpa cardigan that fits that a big? washing machine. Like, I was looking at that. It was legitimately looking at how he constructed the sweaters and the shirts like charles's charles's whole wardrobe that needs to be recognized i feel like Locking machine sized pants <laughs> yes <laughs> uh so when he when like he sees the robot standing there like he starts talking to him and suddenly the robot starts talking back so like the night before he's just kind of in a panicky state and he doesn't respond but now he just starts listing everything in the house, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's like, plant pot, wall, ceiling. I don't know what that is. And yeah, he's just like, he says plant pot so many times that, <laughs> it, that it's just fun. Plant pot. Yeah. Plant pot. Plant reading, pot. The, reading the dictionary the night, all night. Yeah. And we should say, like, this, ro- this voice is like, it's like the like default generic like computer robot voice. Like, it's so monotone and that's really what the fact that it has no soul to it is what really gives this movie like heart and soul because it's so sweet uh the the the, that sort of like contrast between like what he's saying and the way he sounds is is what really sells it yeah he's yeah he says i was i read the dictionary while you were snoozing (laughs) he points at brian and he says alexandru and he's like, no, I, I'm not Alexander. I'm called Brian. Right. And of course, the robot's like, Brian, me, Brian. And he's like, no, I'm Brian. But do you want a name? And so then he like, you know, he's the, the robot kind of nods and he starts listing off possible names. Tony, Clive. So Tony, <laughs> the thing about the name Tony and his reaction to it, <laughs> I lost my shit laughing yeah. because Anthony... Would you like to tell the story? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, you know, Tony is you know, I, obviously the nickname to Anthony, and I don't like it. I never have. Uh, and when I was a kid, I, no one ever called me. I didn't know that it was the nickname for Anthony. Um, everyone just always called me Anthony. And, like, in, like, the last day of school in kindergarten, we were doing, like, uh, you know, they were giving out certificates for good grades and, you know, perfect attendance and all that. Mm-hmm. And they, like, the principal's calling all the kids' names off, and then he calls Tony Bowman. And I didn't get up, because that's not me. I didn't, right. I, I was just, like, waiting for Tony Bowman, whoever that was, to get up, and he <laughs> didn't. And the principal's like, huh, he had perfect attendance, and he's not here today. <laughs> and he just, like, moves on. And then, like, 
my mom was all upset when I got home. She's like, where are all your certificates? You're supposed to get all this stuff. And she calls the school all upset. Uh, and, you know, we finally figure out what had happened. Um, but, like, yeah. So I didn't like Tony before. And then from then on, I've just had an antagonistic relationship. So, Ah, damn you, Tony. <laughs> the, the, like, imme- the reflex, yeah. his, like, gut reaction to the name was just very, I was like, oh, shit. I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his head, like, squishes down in his body yeah. when he says it, like, yeah. yeah. Turned into a turtle? Like, right. absolutely not. Well, he also doesn't like Clyde very much either, so I can understand that. Yeah, and then, then he says Charles, and he's he's just, Charles, Charles, Charles. And he's like, oh, okay, you like Charles? And he's like, yes, I am Charles Petrescu. <laughs> right. He gives himself a Romanian last name. <laughs> and at some point later, we do see a book on his shelf that the author's last name is Petrescu, which is where he got it from. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny that just and then from then on, like every time he has, to, he's always I am Charles Petrescu. Like so, he says that, and then like he kind of holds his hand out, and Brian like grabs it, and they like shake hands, and he's like, "I'm Charles Petrescu. I'm your friend." Yeah, and like you can just see Brian like I've never had a friend like. Right. I, I made a friend like I literally made, made a, a friend, friend. Um, and he's like I, I'm your friend too and it's it's like yeah such a sweet moment like it's just and you know again going back to like you know this being a Frankenstein story like this is the moment that we have always wanted like here is our our Victor Frankenstein and our monster connecting right away and being friends yeah that's funny I noted like when we our Patreon episode where we talked about like creator versus creation, mm-hmm. we talked about that the happy ending essentially would be the doctor or like the creator coming to like like meeting the creation where they are and recognizing, you know, like their their human qualities. And we've never seen that. And I think that's kind of why I did like this one so much is it is like a Frankenstein story with that equality, you yeah. know, like it, like it, it's a story of equality. And I think that's, what's really cool about this yeah, one. Yeah, Because most of yeah. the other Frankenstein movies we've seen, they, the, the closest we've come is to, they would be really good friends if these other events didn't happen mm-hmm. that caused them to become antagonistic versus the original where he's just like, ah, I created this monster. Fuck this thing. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. For me, one of the ultimate takeaways is acceptance, mm-hmm. you know, and like acceptance of yourself, acceptance of things you make. I know we're we're jumping ahead like a whole lot, but just as far as like this is what we've always wanted in a Frankenstein movie, the takeaway is not horror. It's not scary. It's mm-hmm. not don't fuck with things, you know, it's and it was like. Like, where I feel like Frankenstein is, like, kind of a, uh, what is that story? Uh, you know, there's that word, the story. Cautionary the, tale? Is that what thank you, cautionary tale. There we go. Like Yay. Yay. Um, so I feel like Frankenstein is a cautionary tale and, like, don't fuck with nature, yeah. where Charles and Brian is a lot more like, okay, so if you do, treat it right. Yeah. Like, don't mm-hmm. be a dick about it. And right. that's, I think that's why I like this one so much more than a regular Frankenstein movie. Right. Is like you said, it's what we've wanted and never gotten. Yeah, and so so the next scene is, like, kind of, like, emphasizing that, like, you get Brian talking to the, the camera um, without, like, Charles is not 
by him and he's just like he's real excited like you can tell he's like i did it you know he's like i think what happened and he goes through that he he thinks he forgot to connect a wire mm-hmm. and that mr williams the mouse somehow crawled around in charles and got the wires connected i think really what happened is the lightning struck something <laughs> yeah. and energized charles but uh you know which would be a more frankensteinian thing but i think his way is is sweet like he's like you know i had help from this other little guy and we made him from together igor yeah, yeah. So then we get a sort of echo of the beginning where Brian gave the crew a tour of the house. Now he's giving Charles a tour of the house. Mm-hmm. Takes him into the kitchen. Yeah, and he tries to choke Charles everything, but Charles is like, oh, that's that, and that's that. He already knows everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, boy, you're just on top of things. And then he goes into a big, um, he basically reads the, or spouts like an encyclopedia article about cabbages. cabbages. Hey. So they, they definitely share a love for cabbages, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Have something in common right away. Right. And I do like how we cut to a brief scene where Brian uh, is sitting beside Charles and he's like, you know, I was going to scrap you tomorrow if you, if you didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and Charles is kind of like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this, like, this is another, like, I think this might be one of the last scenes that is like the documentary style. They're like talking into the camera. And, he, you know, Charles is like, you made my body. And he's like, yeah, I, I made your body. And he's like, my tummy is a washing machine. And he's like, <laughs> we skipped over where he um, wasn't sure why he was working, why he wasn't working. And he pulled out a glowing orb oh, that's right. of some variety and said, yes, his spleen is working. But it was like a weird, like, it was like an alien looking orb with yeah. no origin story at all. Like, it would have been, like, it would fit in, in, like, the fucking Avengers. Right. Um, it does look like and he was like, oh, Tony yeah. Stark's arc reactor, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, oh, his spleen is fine and moves along. And it's like, wait a second, dude. Like, you might have made something really important there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what, what we didn't see was that Brian found a, a piece of alien technology that fell from the Battle of New York. And then he plugged <laughs> right. it into Brian. That's what made it work. But he was just real hype about that mouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's there's just, I mean, like, this little dual interview scene, like, you really see that, like, Charles is a child in, like, a really sweet way, and Brian is, like, a father to him already. Like, they're, you know, like, the, my, my tummy is a washing machine, yep, you, you know, your tummy's a washing machine. It sounds like that's a conversation that a, a kid and a parent would have. Yeah, it's it's very sweet. Yeah, Charles is already wanting to go swim, right? Yeah, and he's like, well, maybe not, we shouldn't get into that just yet. That's. But I feel like that's our first real hint that, like, Charles wants something different. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, does it, is that when he talks about going to the mountains or something, or is that later on? I think here's where he's like, hey, does the world stop at the tree? Yes. And yeah. Like, no. And he's like, no, the world's so much bigger. It goes way beyond that. It's a big perilous world. Right. I think that's where Charles is like, I want to see this big perilous mm-hmm. world. Yeah, this whole part really kind of cements all that because then the next thing that happens is like a murder of crows like erupts out of this tree and it kind of scares <laughs> Charles for a second and Brian's like, it's okay. It's just crows. They're just flying. That's what they do. And then Charles is like, can birds go wherever they want? Can they do whatever they want to do? Brian is kind of like shocked by that. And he's like, I never really thought about it. But yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess they can do whatever they want. And like, you can see all these things are all kind of like setting in motion that Charles is like, I want to be able to do what I want to do. Like, I don't want to be an automaton. I don't want to be a robot that just, you know, follows orders. Like, I want to be my own thing. I want to have choices. I want to see beyond the tree you know 
he's already kind of developing this independence and this curiosity, which feels like a Frankenstein monster thing, you know, like he's he's an independent creature separate from his creator. Right. The other thing that's interesting about this, and this might be a much broader conversation, at the beginning, as Brian is creating Charles, he talks about AI and has a conversation with the crew where he asks, uh, like, he mispronounces it and stuff, and it's very funny. But, so, like, I was also trying to watch this from, like, an AI movie perspective, (laughs) and it's really weird if you watch it. (laughs) Like, it just, like, if you think about it kind of like ex machina and like that moment at the park where like you realize as the world is bigger i feel like that is kind of the moment of like where ai starts to understand sentient like not where it necessarily becomes sentient but where it under like where it lays that groundwork um Mm -hmm. so yeah it was kind of like trying to piece those milestones together that go with ai movies as well as frankenstein movies was because there's such an overlap there anyway but yeah. yeah AI, especially now, because it freaks me the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, so Brian wants to go inside, but Charles doesn't, until Brian offers Charles a cabbage. <laughs> like, come on, we'll have some cabbages. Yeah, so he's excited about that. Cabbages uh, are the key. And then we get another little bit where, you know, Brian talks to the camera uh, and says, like, you know, I, gotta, I have to keep him safe. I have to keep him at home. I don't know what the world will do if they see him. Um, especially... I have a neighbor who is, so we meet this, or we don't really meet him, but like we kind of learn about this, this neighbor, Eddie, who's just like the village criminal, basically. Right. Well, is his last name Tommyton? I think so, yeah. Right. I just Texan. wrote him down as like Proud Boy McHamface. <laughs> and You're not wrong. Like, the more he came on screen, the more like pig, Proud Boy white nationalist really because like do you know that dude smells like old ham you know he does he smells like old hand leather boots and stinky feet (laughs) separate not leather boots with stinky feet in them two distinct separate smells combining and that that is his family yeah no that is that is him and then yeah yeah no they are definitely the redneck family yeah, yeah, way. like, we see a little bit of, like, the, you know, they, they steal stuff from the neighborhood. They stole one of uh, Brian's lawn gnomes. Yeah, they're just, they're trouble. It's like a whole family of just, like, like you said, they're the rednecks. They're, like, the meth family that, that's right. going to, like, steal the copper from your air conditioner. Mm-hmm. Some catalytic converters went missing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so then we, we get, like, that, like later that night, Brian is trimming Charles's eyebrows. True love. They've gotten a little tufty-wufty. How do they grow? Okay, I did have a question um, about this even before this scene. Um, but what the fuck is Charles's hair made of? Because it looks real. <laughs> like, it doesn't look like dryer lint. So mm-hmm. if anyone has a suggestion of what that might be. I'm just curious to where, the, where these Charles parts came from. Because yeah. The mannequin head did not have hair, hair so the all. hair was added. Correct. And the other eye, <laughs> yeah, the, the blue, blue eye, eye. Originally, we don't really get any answers about the blue eye. <laughs> so, oh, you skip. So, <laughs> I love this. 
I forget when this was, but he um, tries to get Charles to go to bed. Mm-hmm. That's actually this, ne- this, this next yeah. scene. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. Oh, no, okay. yeah, that's that's right where we are. Um, go, go ahead. So right. they go to bed. Yeah, and like um, they wish each other sweet dreams. Yeah, they're they're laying there in the dark, except Brian's got the one glowing blue light eye, as he says, or Charles does. <laughs> Brian's like, hey, uh, can you shut off your blue eye light? And he's like, I cannot shut off my blue eye light, thank you. <laughs> right. Like, honestly, though, I thought this was almost saying that Charles was afraid of the dark, which that would have been mm. great, but I don't think they go there. I, I can believe because because Brian's kind of surprised. He's like, you can't. Which like right. I made you. Like I would. He should know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, Charles is like, nope, I can't. And he's like, okay. <laughs> right. And so then they just lay there. And then we have something here that like pays off in a way that like I think is really important to like the central theme of this movie. We get this shot outside the house, and you just hear Charles saying, "I am sleeping. I am sleeping. I am sleeping." And, and we'll come back to that a little later. That is what I tell myself when I am trying to sleep, when I have insomnia. I was like, oh, dude, I feel that. Mm-hmm. The other thing, there was the shot when they pulled out. There was just the blue light in the, be- in right. the bedroom, the rest of the window. And it was kind of an echo of when he saw Charles first in the house mm, yeah. with the the white light downstairs and i thought it was kind of a neat like callback you know like metaphor yeah yeah then we like it's the next day brian needs to go to town to pick up some things and you know charles is like oh this is a this is my chance to like see past the tree i want to go to town brian's like no you know you're not ready you can't go to town and he's like okay well can i play in the garden while you're gone and he's like no you need to stay in the house and he's like well I think I left something in the garden, so I might go out in the garden. <laughs> and Brian's like, ah, you're being cheeky. Wait a second. And this is kind of our first indication of, like, Charles moving into, like, almost an adolescent phase mm-hmm. exactly. of his existence where he starts really challenging his creator. Right. Yeah, yes. and it's in a very, like, like I said, adolescent way, but it's still kind of along those Frankenstein lines. Yeah, he's of, pushing his boundaries. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Then we see in town that what Brian's gone to do is he's got to do a plumbing job for Hazel's mom. Winnie. Her name's Winnie. Winnie. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she is terrible. Like she's she's, awful. Also she's, terrible. Fucking birds as pets. <laughs> <laughs> like if someone tells you they have a pet parrot. Uh, unless it's a super smart one, Alex, who like not our friend Alex, but the the parent Alex who like talks a lot or you know knows all the words. Yeah, like that. Uh, that's the only acceptable bird pet. <laughs> but yeah, Hazel's like really excited to, to show Brian her parrot, but Winnie is like he doesn't care about your bird. He needs to get to work. Right. Uh, Nobody like, cares about your fucking bird. But you can see like Hazel's kind of crushed. You right. know, like I, clearly her mom. This is this is why Hazel is awkward is because her mom just crushes her at every turn. You know, she just has not had a chance to be her own person. She's been stuck with her mom her entire life. Right. Because she is interested in what Brian's doing. She even mm-hmm. asks him, "Hey, what what is that weird thing you've got attached to your plunger?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, this is my uh what do you call it? His a plunger refresher." <laughs> It's just like a, a bottle, a canteen on, on a plunger. Yeah. Attached to the plunger. Yeah. He's like, it's full of peach and pear cordial. What a sip. <laughs> and my question was like, 
who is that possibly made for? Nobody. Like, I know he did it, but, like, who would be spending that much time plumbing? No. Like, with the plunger, not just plumbing, but, real, like... Real problem, <laughs> if I'm plumbing, I'm not putting anything in my mouth. Well, correct. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, like, that was really close to the actual plunging part. I was like, mm, yeah. dude. Yeah. But then we have Brian, you know, he's talking about Hazel's bird, and he's like, ah, who's a sexy boy? And when he just comes in, he's like, what? What's sexy? Nope, nobody's sexy. Hazel, get out of here. Because <laughs> it's, it's like anytime something is mentioned to Hazel about mm-hmm. adult things, quote unquote, her mom just, like you said, steps in and squashes it right then and there. Yeah. So Brian finishes up. It ends up that there's an onion <laughs> stuck, in the, <laughs> stuck in the sink. Uh, and so he, he gets that taken care of and heads home. And when he comes home, Charles is absolutely just like a dog in this scene. Like, uh, he's like so excited to see Brian. He's jumping around. Brian's like, who messed, who like made a mess in the kitchen? And he's like, not me. And then he's like, nobody else is here. And he's like, okay, yeah, it was me. (laughs) And like, like he got in the trash. Yeah, it's exactly what happens when you get home and your dog has like made a mess. Right. And he scratches behind his ears like, who's a good boy? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's very sweet. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like, yeah, Charles is definitely like a mixture between like a kid and a dog. And like, he he's like, here's something else I did while you were gone. And he shows him a drawing he did of Brian and Charles and a cabbage. cabbage. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So he's super excited that his dad's home, basically. So they go upstairs to play a game of darts. Charles just hits a bullseye right out of the gate. He's like, I'm the because prince he... of the dartboard. <laughs> the prince of the dartboard. He says a couple things that are just classic. But yeah, I love that one. Yeah, I feel like this movie, Charles's lines are, I'm going to be quoting them for a while. Wow. Like, there's so many little quotable mm-hmm. little things. Mm-hmm. It's like a little later, they're in the kitchen. And Brian's like, this is great. We're just boiling cabbages and chilling out. Mm-hmm. He's just, this is his dream, you know, he's got a friend and they're eating cabbage together, like what could be better? Charles starts dancing, they're listening to like kind of disco music a little bit, and yeah, Charles is having fun, he's really grooving, and and Brian is really enjoying Charles dancing. Mm -hmm. And Charles even gets up on the pink step. (laughs) It's like a little step stool, but they exclusively call it the pink pink step. (laughs) Uh, because then Charles falls off of it and he's like, I fell off the pink step and had an accident. So I actually thought this was a super important scene because Charles is dancing and when he gets on the step, so like Brian is like, dance, dance for me. Then Charles gets on the step and he gets really excited and he's like, dance for Brian, dance for Brian. And I think that was one of the like very rare moments where Brian had sort of this ownership control. Yeah. Like, Mm. where he felt like he had control over his creation. And then Charles falling kind of, like, reignited that paternal instinct in him. Mm. And, like, the movie seems like a battle sort of between his instinct as just an inventor and his, like, when before they go to town, there's this scene where he looks at some sheep Mm-hmm. really longingly like a grown sheep and a and a small sheep and right. i think it's sort of like this like i know you said it, it, he doesn't have friends but i think it's he wanted a family and he wanted a kid and yeah. like i think they sort of laid the groundwork for that and mm. yeah. charles 
that's why when that's why I thought Rockabye Baby made a lot of a lot it, of it sense. Does. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I think that was I think more than the role of a friend. I think Charles fulfilled yeah, the role basically. of a son, yeah. and I think brought that is like the one moment where Brian lost control of that mm-hmm. or lost that sight until Charles fell and hurt himself. And you know what? You know what Silent Night has over Rockabye Baby? Mm. Jesus. Um, it's a song about a virgin Roger making Roger. a baby. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. Well. Hey. <laughs> holy infant, or virgin mother and child, holy yeah. infant. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. mild, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, Brian is probably a virgin. Yeah. Girl, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, either way, like, Charles wasn't created in... Yeah. Yeah, in the normal like, way. Yeah. So anyway, I thought the pink step scene in the kitchen was actually like kind of a real turning point in the film. Yeah. And and that definitely leads into the next scene because then the doorbell rings and Brian is instantly like into full protection mode. Like nobody, I don't, I'm not expecting anybody. Nobody coming in here can be a good thing. I don't want anybody to see Charles. And he kind of like, first he tries to be quiet. Well, Charles then starts mimicking the sound. He's like, bing bong, <laughs> bing bong, bing bong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, knocky knock knock. Knocky knock knock. <laughs> and he's like, "Don't don't make a peep." And then he just like starts saying them more. And he's like, "That's the exact opposite of not making a peep." <laughs> Turns out we just got a meter reader from uh, the Wales uh, Power Company. So you know, Brian has to go answer the door. And when he comes back in with the the meter reader, like he doesn't know what is going to happen. And then Charles is like in the corner with the his head like hunched down inside the washing machine. So there's just like. A washing machine with a sweater wrapped around it. Right, and no one seems... Well, Brian notices, but the meter reader does not. Yeah. <laughs> and so he he, you know, he reads the meter, and like Brian is like awkwardly trying to distract him the whole time, and the reader's just trying to do his job. Uh, and then like he, he tries to show him another one of his inventions, which is a scrub brush attached to a drill to be a, a glass washer. Yeah, you're not telling me this isn't another sex toy. Yeah, this is the one that I was, well, yeah, I was like, yeah, this definitely looks like a mm-hmm. high-powered dildo kind of thing. I do, as a side note, I do have like scrub brushes that are drill attachments. They are nowhere near looking like sex toys. They look like scrub brushes that are drill attachments. And they are the shit. Highly recommend anybody get those. I went way too long without having them. There you go. Um, And this one, like he holds it in front of the guy's face and it it runs longer than the scene should. Like, like on purpose. Like you're just, like it's awkward as a viewer. So like eventually... Uh, you know the the meter reader is like, "What is that?" And he's like, "It's a washing machine with a with a big sweater on it." And yeah, he's like, a big, oh, a "Big man shirt." Okay, yeah, that's that's really great. And he's just like, "I need to leave this weirdo's house right, right away." Uh-huh. Uh, he's and, such a good tailor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and then yeah, so as soon as he leaves, you know, obviously Brian's like, "Charles, you're you're a clever boy. You you tricked him." I'm a clever and boy he's like, for hiding. I'm clever. Yeah, boy. he's like clever boy dance time, and he does another <laughs> dance, which is great. Um, we, we and, should all have a clever boy dance time. <laughs> and that fades right into a montage of them kind of bonding over the song Happy Together mm-hmm. uh, by the Turtles. And, uh, you know, they like work in the kitchen. They have a pillow fight. Um, there's a part where Brian sprays him with a garden hose and then Charles sprays Brian with weed the killer. weed killer. And he's like, ah, no, that's weed killer. You can't spray <laughs> um, and But then that scene ends with 
another like one of the like step stone scenes i think which is they're walking away from the camera like into the sunset Mm -hmm. and um, charles is like did you build this fence and he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I built it. And he's like, how, how did you know how to do that? And he's like, my dad taught me. You know, he taught me loads of things. Charles is like, can you teach me loads of things? And he's like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And like, this is this is them yeah. as a father and son. This is exactly what you're talking about. This is the parent thing. And then he's like, can you teach me to water ski? <laughs> I saw it in a sports magazine. See, I actually thought the water ski part was really important too because that's our that's like another indication that charles really is ready to not be there Mm -hmm. anymore that he's really ready to find more things about the world that he's consuming media and um information Mm -hmm. that is leading him beyond his town right um yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely like, you know, you have Brian here who was taught a lot of things by his father, and his father's not there. Brian is has moved on from his family. And so I think, yeah, I think you're exactly right. That's the that's the takeaway is that Charles, he, he you know, he loves his dad, his, you know, Brian, but he wants to learn from Brian so that he can become his own person and then move on. You know, he wants to learn how to build a fence, but he also wants to learn how to jet ski. And jet skiing is not a thing you can do in this little town. Right. And obviously, he's a robot. Water and robots don't normally mix, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. That is not something that Charles yeah. cares about. Yeah. Or Brian, really. Doesn't seem like Brian cares too much about it either. <laughs> well, I think, I think Charles is to a degree, like, he's fascinated by water. And we'll find that out later. Yes. But Brian's yeah, like, no, some... don't get near the water. You stay away from yeah. the water. Because it'll kill you, effectively. Possibly. Yeah, and then they're sitting down to dinner. They're having cabbage. Brian says something about, like, I'm enjoying this magic moment. Mm-hmm. They're bonding still. And then on the TV, a travel show comes on. A show about Hawaii, and specifically Honolulu. Or Honolulu. Honolulu? Yeah, as Carl calls it. Honey, Lele. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah it's the like, kind of thing that gets stuck in your head too. Yeah. Like the next day, I kept being like, I just kept thinking about Honolulu, and like, <laughs> there's no reason why. I will never hear talk of Honolulu without thinking of this scene right. every, oh, like, yeah. for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Charles is definitely like he is super intrigued. He's asking questions. You know, that's he asks what this place is, and Brian tells him, and then he. He's, a, he's fascinated, but he cannot pronounce it for the life of him. Right. But he um, wants to go. He knows he wants to go there. Yeah. I, I must go to Hanul. Brian is like, no, you know, you can't. That's far away. We can't go there. And he gets up and starts dancing. And he's like, but I want to go. I'm not I'm not eating dinner. I want to go now. And Brian's right. like, no, you, you got to stay here. And he's like, fine, bossy boots. <laughs> right. I, I, yeah, this is another, like, scene that's saying Charles is becoming an adolescent uh-huh. or at least entering those teenage years where mm-hmm. he's, he's wanting his independence and to yeah. be able to do things yeah so then we cut to like the next day brian is back at the market he's kind of shopping over and one at side of the store and then eddie strolls in oh, no. so we're finally getting to like see him up close joan mentions that hey the, the bonfire that they're making for the community looks really nice and he's like no this is my bonfire <laughs> Yeah, she calls it the bonfire, and he's like, no, 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 I think you meant my bonfire. Yeah. This scene is really just to show us that Eddie sucks. Like, yeah, we're, real bad. we're really up close and personal, like, he's just rude to June. I can't remember what he buys, but he doesn't want to, he doesn't well, pay for he it. Doesn't, yeah, it's, it's nougat in a candy bar. And he's mm. like, I don't think I should have to pay for this. 
Yeah, and he's like, just, or she's like, should I put it on my tab? And he's like, yeah, I guess, yeah, put it on my tab. Like, he's clearly never going to pay this tab. And then he sees Brian over in the corner, and he goes to, like, just harass Brian, mocks him a little bit, knocks over a display of Piff Puff cereal. (laughs) And he's like, well, looks like you better pick that up for Joan. That'd be real rude if he just left left it there for her. Yeah, and so he just strolls out, and, you know, obviously Brian does start picking it up, and, you know, she's like, you don't have to do that, it's fine, and he's like, no, you know, I want to help, so. Yeah, go back to um, what the Kindle said about, you know, he's like, he he just does things for people, out of the kindness of mm -hmm. his heart, even though he doesn't have to. And that's the thing about a small town is like the way that they work is that everybody has to care for each other because mm-hmm. everybody's going to have hard times and they're going to need the support of the community. The bad side of the small town is if there is a terrible person in town, they're inescapable. Right, and they so exploit we get, everyone. Yeah, so we get both of that in this scene, you know, clearly spelled out. I think from there, Brian goes back home and we kind of continue the, the like Honolulu story. <laughs> um, he comes in and, and Charles is not in the house and he's kind of panicked. He runs out into the backfield and there's Charles dancing in a homemade oh, hula skirt. Homemade out of what? Yeah, right. I don't know what it is. It's toilet paper. Oh, is it? <laughs> it looks yeah. Like it. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's toilet paper. Okay. I, I, for some reason, it seemed thinner than that to me, but I, yeah, I, I made, yeah. That, well, that's that one, it's Welsh toilet paper. <laughs> it's probably one fly. Oh, yeah. no. They, they don't, yeah, they that's all they got over there. there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes sense. That, yeah, that's a good, sh- and so, you know, Brian's like, what are you doing? And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to walk to Honolulu, like, because he's like headed, uh, just walking out of the field, and mm-hmm. he's like, I want to dance on the beach. Right. And, you know, Brian's like, I, you know, he, 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 you can't. Like, you're, it's not, the world's not ready for you. Like, you're not going to be safe. Which is a very, like, parental mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the dual thing of that he's like, I don't know that you'd be safe. And then he's also like, but wouldn't you miss me? Right, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's that, you know, parents, you know, they do want to protect their kids, but there's also that instinct to, like, I want to keep my kid. I want them to be with me. Like, right. I don't want them to go out into the world. I, I want to keep this relationship. You want them uh, to be there, not that you're keeping them there. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you can tell he's a little heartbroken by that. We just cut to, like, later on, and Charles is, like, upstairs in his room. He's entered listen- his full on angsty phase of. <laughs> Wearing hard rock. Yeah, I wrote Charles is doing an impression of sixteen-year-old me. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he's just listening to like loud, like the most like generic kind of like heavy metal. Like I'm not sure if these are real songs that I'm not familiar with, or if they're just like made for the. There's one later that sounds like Rage Against the Machine, kind of, but is not. Right. Uh, which, which is I- the best. <laughs> if that had been Rage Against the Machine on the robot movie, yeah. like, that would have been just the best. Right. Yeah. Worth all the money, Jim Archer. You should have done that. <laughs> this is just anger against the, the robot, not <laughs> Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> right. Um, and so then, yeah, later, so it's like the next morning, Brian goes to wake up Charles. And again, this is very teenagerly, like mm-hmm. Charles is sleeping in. He's like a sulky teen who doesn't want to get out of bed. But then Brian's like, I got a surprise for you. I'm, I'm going into town and maybe you want to come with me. Right. And then Charles is like, oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. He's, well, into first that. he's like, you go on without me and you know, I- I'll walk and meet you there. And he's like, no, you're not walking. You're going to go in the truck with me. And he's like, OK. I want to be in the front seat then. And he's like, no. You're you're too young. You're too young to be in the front seat. You got to go in the back seat. 
Yeah. Brian goes downstairs to wait outside for Charles, and then Charles strolls out of the house in this elaborate cape and weird sombrero-type hat. And But has a purse. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he, and, and he's like, I feel pretty cool. Right. <laughs> uh, but Brian's like, no, not my curtains. You're not going out of the house just like that. Put something else on. Again, incredibly well tailored. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Cool. For a washing machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just real, some real talent in, what is it, clock screen garden? <laughs> uh, so Charles goes back inside, and then he comes out in his normal sweater and everything. But With he's a deerstalker cap. <laughs> yeah, he's got like the Sherlock Holmes deerstalker. Um, and he's he's ready to... Uh, they, they continue to argue about whether he's going to be in the front seat or the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he keeps saying, you're too young, you're too young. Right. Like, he's applying the the toddler rules <laughs> right. to, again, a washing machine with a mannequin head. Like, yeah. when's he going to be old enough right. to write up front? Yeah. <laughs> and Charles, like, he keeps saying, like, I want to be up front. And he's like, stop saying front. And then he just goes, front, 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 front. <laughs> and then it just immediately cuts to them writing, and Charles is in the front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then Charles is then like, all right, so I'm going to need a few things. I'm going to need a map of the world and some soap. <laughs> Why do you need some soap? Yeah. Yeah, he wants the map of the world for his wall. So obviously he's going to be like dreaming about travel. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Soap makes a lot less sense. And then he also wants some cotton, cotton socks. socks. <laughs> Uh, and, and Brian seems very like like he's he's kind of like laughing at that. It's the kind of thing like if, if you were taking your kid to the store and they were like, you know, I need a briefcase or something, you'd be like, oh, those kids, you know, like it's like I don't you, you don't really need that, but it's cute that you think you do. Right. But Brian's like, uh, you know, I, I really just got to run in and get in do some things. We'll, we'll get those other stuff later. Yeah, we're gonna go say hello and go to the swimming pool, right? And Brian's <laughs> like, no, there's no swimming pool. What about the airport? We're going to the airport, right? No, there's no airport. The the zoo? No. We there's a there's a kennel. We could go see some dogs. <laughs> yeah. So then they get into town and Brian's like, "You just stay in the car. I'm going to run in. If you're good, we'll go to the lake on the way home." But while Brian is inside, Hazel sees Brian's car and walks up and sees Charles inside. And Charles says, "Hello, I'm Charles Petrescu." <laughs> Charles yeah and she's like i'm i'm hazel and she's delighted like this is a robot like she's impressed you know and she, mm-hmm. she obviously she cares about brian and she's like wow you know he's really done something amazing here right and then brian walks up and he's like please don't tell anyone like he's panicked you know as much as he cares about hazel his first thought he, he cares more about charles you know he wants to make sure charles is safe as, as a good single father should probably yeah or even a non-single father. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then I think Charles is like, we're going to the lake. You should come with us. Mm-hmm. And Brian's like, oh, she she wouldn't want to do that. She's she's too busy. Charles is like, you should ask her. You should ask her if she wants to come to the lake with right. us. She's standing right here, right, right. there. Right. Exactly. Like, that's what's important. This is not like a conversation between the two of them. Yeah. Hazel is hanging out right next to them and yeah so brian's like well well would you would you want to go to the lake and she's like yeah of course sure so you know charles is an excellent wingman mm-hmm. i was just gonna say that yeah charles gets the wingman of the year award for sure because definitely brian and hazel would have just crushed on each other forever and never, never made a move if charles hadn't done this mm-hmm. yep. but when they get to the lake uh 
Brian is definitely paying way more attention to Hazel than he is Charles. Oh yeah, like they're walking ahead, they're chatting, they're having a great time. Charles is definitely doing like the like, look at me, Dad. Like I'm, I'm gonna play in the. He's like, I'm gonna step in the lake, and he, he's like, hang on, hang on, Hazel. <laughs> and he runs back there, and he's like, you can't get in the lake. Don't. He's I'm going like, to I swim see what's on the other the side. I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna swim across. Which again just keeps hammering home. Like he mm-hmm. wants to see more of the world. He mm-hmm. wants to explore. You know, I think you know a lake is just a pond, and across the pond is America, where Hawaii is. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're definitely like hammering that home and then we get like hazel asking brian like how did you do this like how where did you learn to do this and he's like i don't you know i just have ideas and i just you know i start at the beginning and use my imagination and just see where it goes yeah and yeah she's pretty impressed by that and so then i think a little later he drops hazel off at home he's like you know you should you should go to the lake more Mm-hmm. and yeah she's like okay and then he's like i mean like we we should go to the lake together more like i had fun i would like to do that again with you and yeah, she's like yeah and then runs inside because right. she's <laughs> also awkward and nervous mm-hmm. but as brian and uh charles or as brian's driving home uh they get stopped by what looks like a tractor kind of broke down in the middle of the road and we've got some two interesting looking people like on a playground that are just eyeballing charles and brian those look familiar. You think they're related to that Eddie guy? <laughs> yeah, these are uh, yeah Eddie's like punk teen daughters, <laughs> and like Brian is panicking. Like you can see, like he is just in like sheer terror at what these girls are gonna do. Right. Um, because know, it looks like they're they took interest or noticed something weird's happening here, so they're gonna walk up and see what that is. And Brian's like, no. Yeah, and like thankfully at the last second the tractor starts going. And, like, Brian takes off. He is ready to get away from them. Mm-hmm. So then it's, like, later on at home, and we've got Brian. He's on the phone with Hazel. Uh, so, like, things are escalating quickly with them. Like, they're just, like, kind of flirty, chatting on the phone. They're having fun. Um, yeah, they're in the talking phase. Oh, yeah. Like, this is, this is like, prime high school. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a landline. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, standing there in the kitchen on the phone. Like, I have done this many times. Uh, <laughs> specifically talking to the person we're talking to tonight. So uh, <laughs> we, we've definitely been there, done that. Um, Did you ever mention that your love of uh, dressing gowns, though? Like, <laughs> like Brian? He's like, he's like, I've got several dressing gowns. What's wrong? I love them. <laughs> They're just so cute they're just the biggest nerds and it's just adorable as i like to say with jody it's adorkable (laughs) yes uh and he he in fact even like he's he's like you should come over for dinner tonight like we'll we'll have dinner so he hangs up and then charles comes out and he's like i want to go to town i I want some some chewing gum Mm -hmm. which like he doesn't his (laughs) mouth kind of twitches a little bit when he talks but like i don't think that he although they have dinner we never see him eat right but apparently he he downed some cabbage yeah it's sort of like he we we can't see him eat because god only knows how they would manage that with the like low budget special effects they've got going on here but I guess presumably he could also chew gum the same way that he eats cabbage. Right. I mean, when he said his tummy is a washing machine, I wrote down like everybody's tummy is a washing machine. That's what tummies are. Mm-hmm. So he, I mean, depending on what it is, I think he could wash it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's or eat that, it. That would be yep. interesting to see the inner workings of Charles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, again, Brian is like, no, you can't. And he's like, then I guess I'll just go back in my room and rust rust away. away. (laughs) Great line. 
Yeah, and then that's when he slams the door, cranks the rock music again. Mm-hmm. This is the song where it sounds like Rage Against the Machine. Right. Very poetic. But yeah, Charles calls everything boring, including Brian. And that hurts yeah. Brian. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, again, part of, you know, like, you start to separate from your parents, and suddenly, you're like, your parents aren't cool. Like, the things that, you know, like, when you're a kid, just whatever your parents like, you just like, because it's what's around. But then suddenly you start getting your own opinions, and you're like... Your, my parents' music is lame, you know? I want to listen to heavy metal or punk music or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm tired of the moody blues or whatever uh, <laughs> parents listen to now. Blue Traveler. No. <laughs> <laughs> the moody blues traveler? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that, like, the problem with training your creation as a person is they act like a person. Yeah. Whatever it is. And so then if they take on those humanistic qualities, then then they are going to seek self-growth just because that's like human instinct. And then the issue is that is they outgrow you. And so that is another reason, like I think creators try to hold on to controls, which it goes under Frankenstein more, you know, Mm -hmm. like why a creator would not want their creation to. Yeah. To a degree, it's that sense of ownership, right? Yeah. Yeah. So once he kind of like cranks his music and everything, like we cut to when Hazel comes later. And this is like a gag that when it's done well is always hilarious to me, which is like when you hear the end of a story that is like super nonsensical and you never know what the beginning of it was. And like, there, I don't know, there's just something that always gets me about when. And so like we just cut to like mid conversation and Brian says, and that's how I ended up with two identical straw hats. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and Hazel's like, I just love your stories. They're so entertaining. <laughs> like, there's no world where a story that ends with someone having two identical straw hats is an interesting story. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, mean, I don't know. what you're doing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so then, like, they're all sitting, the three of them are sitting down to dinner, and again, like, Charles starts being, like, the petulant teen in front of Dad's new girlfriend, and he's like, you know, (laughs) I'm not a kid anymore, you know, I want to go on adventures, I don't want to be stuck in this stupid cottage anymore. Ooh, that hurts. Yeah, and, and, you know, like, you you know, like, Brian is is hurt, he's like, the way you're acting lately, I don't like hanging around you anymore, like, I I don't like this side of you. And then, and Charles is like, fine, then let me go, I want to go. Kids, they know how to sting you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, not being a parent, uh, you know, I've never, but I've definitely been on the other side of this. Yeah, I've definitely been the teen finding yeah. the right place to stick the knife to just get my parents. Whether intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah. yeah. be interesting to watch this with one of our parents. <laughs> right. Get the oh. parental perspective. <laughs> oh, that's you. On, no. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a Patreon with, with parent <laughs> guests. That yeah. would be entertaining. But they're kind of interrupted from this fight because Eddie shows up with his two daughters in tow. The ham-faced McNazi pants shows right. up out of nowhere demanding to buy Charles. Right. Like, what a thing to do, by the way. And he even antagonizes literally everyone there t- telling Brian he doesn't do much. You don't do much, do you? And he calls Hazel the girl with the talking pigeon. Yeah. You know? He has no respect for anybody here. Yeah, he's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, he just assu- he's just like, okay, how much do you want for it? And Brian's like, I'm not selling it. It's um, a family member. 
he like he goes up to Charles and is like, so what what is this thing? And he's like, I'm Charles Protescu. And he's like, what can he do? And he's like, I, I mean, he's just a person. He can do whatever he wants. Right. But of uh, course, the daughters are awful, te- also awful people. And they're like, make him dance, dad. Make him dance. Yeah, this feels like one of the like the kids from like Willy Wonka or something. <laughs> like I, you know, I want a golden goose now. For the bulk. <laughs> Is that before or after they demand the pine cone bag? Oh, that's later. That's a little oh, later okay. that they want the. That's... Sorry. No, you're no, right. no. Just it's... mashing all the scenes <laughs> together in my head. It's yeah, I mean, they're they're these are girls who are demanding and you know as awful as their parents are, the one thing that they like are giving on is that they are going to give their kids whatever they want, which mm-hmm. is not necessarily a good, good thing. parenting move. Yeah. But, you know, Brian keeps refusing, so Eddie ends up pushing him down in the mud, and they all just kind of laugh and leave. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, we, we've got our primary, uh, our primary antagonist set up clearly now. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, like, you can tell Brian is definitely very embarrassed to have been, like, beat up, basically, in front of Hazel, you know? Right. Uh, a little later, he'll, like, say that to her, but, like, you can just see on his face, like, that look where, like... You know, it's that, I mean, it's it's toxic masculinity, really, but it's like, that's the, th- like, I know, I know I would, you know, I feel like I'm above that, but if I was in that scene, yeah. if that was me, I would feel the same way. Like, I would, I would be embarrassed for someone to have seen me like that. You know, it's yeah. just, I don't mean, think everybody would, like, but I think, yeah. I think men especially, because, like, he's supposed to be, like, the, the protector. protector. He's, yeah. he's the dad, he's the, the new boyfriend, mm-hmm. and then, like, if he can't, keep himself safe he can't really protect charles or hazel right and i mean let's be honest like brian's a cream puff you know he's Mm. he's definitely not a fighter he is a lover yeah which is why we i mean he's a sweet guy like that's why he's a lovable character in this Mm -hmm. um you know obviously we we hate eddie and we love brian and that that's the reason and so then we we cut to like that night Brian is is just sitting up like he can't sleep because he's so frustrated about what happened. But Charles is trying to sleep, he's and doing he's a saying, good job because he's he, okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he's saying I'm dreaming, dreaming. I'm dreaming, <laughs> I'm dreaming. So again, that like this continues this sort of like escalation. Like earlier, he was sleeping, but now he's his own person. He has dreams. Like he's not just sleeping. Your computer can go to sleep, but your computer doesn't dream. People well, dream. He might dream of electric sheep. <laughs> 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 but yeah, when he said I'm dreaming, like it got like it like yeah. touched me. Like it was that's a that was a really powerful moment. And then yeah, I, I, we cut to like the next morning and this is where Brian and Hazel are talking. They're playing dominoes, nope. I think. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I was so embarrassed in front of you. And she's just like, no, you know, you don't need to be embarrassed. He's like, I could have whacked him on the schnozzle, but I didn't because I don't believe that whacking people on the schnozzle is the solution to the world's problems. And it's like, yes, that's why we love you, Brian. Like, because you know that that's not the solution. But of course, Winnie is awful. So she just like starts knocking on the door. And then Hazel's like, <laughs> and, and he's like, "What? Excuse me? What was that?" I related to that so hard. <laughs> yeah. I've done that, but then like, there's nothing important on the other end, so the person's just like, "The candy is old," or something. You know, like, there's no. 
Yeah, I don't she, know why anybody would say that. Yeah. I have two straw hats, but yeah. like you have to ask them to repeat themselves eighteen times. And she keeps, yeah, it's like she keeps telling him to be quiet, and he keeps being like, "Honestly, I, I, I don't know what you're saying." And he just keeps saying it louder, and it's just, yeah, it's just poor Hazel. Well, they decide uh, they're going to do something about it, and they're going back to Brian's house. That's some privacy. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have to be quiet at Brian's, so they go over there, and when they get there, his front door is broken. Whoa. They start running through the house, frantic, they can't find Charles, and Brian is panicked. And again, this is a moment where, like, I think Dad overpowers boyfriend, because he runs down the stairs, and, like, Hazel's in his way, and he's like, get out of my way! And it's, like, the only, like, kind of aggressive moment from Brian, because he's like, I gotta find Charles. Right. But, of course... Charles is gone, and he's like, I, you know, I shouldn't have left him alone. I'm an idiot. It's the parenting thing. Like, I, you know, you worry about what's going to happen to your kids when they're by themselves, and this is the parent's worst nightmare. Yep. Well, they do go driving looking for Charles, and they do find him. It turns out that he is, in fact, at Eddie's, uh, currently being beat on by the girls mm-hmm. with some sticks, just smacking him. Yeah, like, the, it, it looks like a scene of, like, animal abuse. Like, he's, like, dragging something. Yeah. He's, like, doing farm work while they just, like, whip him, basically. Right. Uh, and, like, Which, this... That's a bad look. Yeah, this this whole section is, is difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, yeah, I ducked out at Pinecone when they asked for the Pinecone bag. bag. And then I, I, I'm out for a while. <laughs> I just completely... Yeah. And I, nope... Uh, ho- holler at me at like uh, the 122 mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that's like what we keep saying. Like, this is, you know, this is what we want for the creature and his creation. And so when it's kind of taken away and when they're hurt, uh, you know, when there's like pain there, it's painful. Like, it, it's a, it is hard to watch because it's everything we want taken away from us. Right. Well, yeah. And even to bring a point home, like Kendall said, like he, he goes, he goes into Eddie's, uh, compound or you know his property and the wife of eddie pam is like well the girls are like hey we like that pine cone bag can you make us one like the the entitlement there mm-hmm. is so crazy that hey you have this pine cone bag we want that you make that for us yeah there's no and talk and- of money being exchanged for the pine cone <laughs> bag and Brian's like, it's it's really simple. Like, it's just a bag that I, like, glued pine cone. And she's like, I didn't ask how you made it. I don't care. Just make them bags. Like, that's, I don't, we don't need to continue this discussion. You're just going to do what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like she, Linda Perry, who seemed <laughs> to have, her, her wardrobe was the entire 1996 Goodwill. <laughs> uh, and But, you know, Brian's like, okay, yeah, fine. I'll, I'll make them some bags. But where's Eddie? I need to talk to Eddie. And they're like... He's over by the, the cows. And he's like, "Where? I've never been here. Where are the cows? And she's like, go that way. You'll see a big thing that shit's coming out of one end and the other end saying, I'm a cow. <laughs> right. Which, that's kind of funny. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty good. Um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, Brian heads that way and finds Eddie. And he's like, you know, why did you steal Charles? And he's well, like. Th- another British thing they do, though, is they have this very awkward moment where they're both sitting on like, hey. And neither of them are saying a fucking word to each other, but they know yeah. they're about to. Yeah, it's it's very tense, and it's I mean it's like you know Brian knows what has happened, but he can't. He doesn't have like the the power to demand anything, so he's like he yeah. doesn't know how to go about this conversation. And, right. 
uh you know and, and eddie's like I, I didn't steal him he came he wanted to come with me he right like, he, he volunteered down the door himself right yeah that's what he did yeah to get to me brian's like just please give charles back and he's like or, or what do you what do you call him and he's like you know we usually call him like tin man or pratt or <laughs> right. tin pratt and he's like here i'll, I'll show you show him to you because uh, he's basically like, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving him to you. So yeah, Brian still wants to see him because he's like, if I can't take him, like I, you know, I still love him. I still want to see him and maybe figure something out. Uh, and there's Charles with a big chain around his neck, like dragging like a heavy bag of feet or something, right? Yeah, and he like ends up falling. You know, he just like he can't pull the weight and he just like falls to the ground this is heartbreaking like brian goes and like kneels beside him and is like i'm sorry you know i want to take you home i'm sorry you know i can't do anything charles's hair is like kind of disheveled and he kind of like combs it down like a mom would do like it's it's very loving and just it's it's really hard to see yeah but it also kind of speaks to the just general powerlessness in that he doesn't have the ability to just say, no, I'm taking Charles with me regardless of what you say. And then, of course, Eddie's like, nope, he's mine. You can't take him. Yeah. And Charles, even, you know, we've had all this stuff with him rebelling and wanting to escape. But now that he's, like, seen this part of the world and how bad things can be, he's like, I, I just want to go home. And Brian has to say, you know, he's like, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't. I can't take you home. Yeah. So that, that's heartbreaking, man. Yeah, it's really, really hard. Right. And Eddie doesn't care. So he just walks off. And then we have the two girls coming by and pretty much they're like, oh, yeah, later tonight, uh, dad's going to chuck him on the fire, on the bonfire. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. They're just, I mean, it's like they don't even want it. They don't have any desire to keep him, but they just want to take him. For, they just want to hurt take Brian. From someone, yeah. From someone else. Yeah. Uh, and so that, then, that hits like, the nail on the head of all these characters. They want what other people have and just disregard everything else, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like you know earlier on, you know, Brian says that they stole his lawn gnome, and it's like why they don't want a lawn gnome? They have no use for a lawn gnome. They don't care. Mm -hmm. They just they didn't want him to have it. It made him happy, so they wanted to take it away from him. Yeah. Well, it sounds so American of them. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, they definitely do feel <laughs> like the most American characters in this, unfortunately. Right. They're Texans. Salt-cured Gavin McGinnis <laughs> down there calling himself Tex. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah. Uh, so then, yeah, we cut to just like later that night, Brian's at home and Hazel is trying to comfort him. He's heartbroken. He's lost his son, his creation, like everything that he's proud of. There's nothing he can do. And Hazel's like, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Like, Eddie might be stronger than you, but you can do things that Eddie can't do. Right. Uh, you like, have you have a particular set of skills <laughs> to go rescue your taken child. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, uh, but Brian's like, I, but I don't know how to start. And she's like... We'll start at the beginning and then use your imagination and go from there. Yeah. And he's like, wait a second. I said that to you. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I know. That's that's why I said it back to you. Like, that was what I meant. Uh, and so then we end up in like another montage where they start working on various inventions to try to like figure out a plan to rescue Charles. Yeah. Somehow cabbages uh, figure into this. Because <laughs> of course they do. Of course cabbages are in this. What do you mean somehow? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
And so then we just cut to like that night at the bonfire. Eddie's, and, you know, Eddie's bonfire. Because yes. the sign says so. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like Brian is just like shaking with nerves. He's so nervous. Hazel kind of trying to calm him down. She's like, it's going to be okay. And he's like, I, I'm not worried about me. I don't, I, I don't give a hoot what Eddie does to me. <laughs> and she's like, well, I give a hoot Aww. about you. <laughs> And he's like, I give a hoot about you too. Right. <laughs> Which is like the most nerdy, awkward way to tell for a couple to tell each other that they they love each other. Right. Well, and she even kisses him, and he's like, "That was very nice." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. He's, he's, he says, "That's a lovely feeling." Thank you. <laughs> like an, a real time Yelp review. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Which further emphasizes that currently Brian is a virgin. <laughs> but which, yeah, it's it's very sweet. And then we see Eddie appear carrying Charles over his shoulders. And, you know, he throws him up on top of this pile of trash, the, the big bonfire pile. Carrying a washing machine over that's his impressive. shoulders. Yeah, like, true. he ain't shit. Right. Like, yeah. he's auditioning for the that ESPN contest, strongman <laughs> contest, that nobody watches unless it's the only thing on. That's what he was auditioning <laughs> or for. Or unless they're into powerlifting. <laughs> right. Or it's, like, at a sports bar, yeah, they're and right. they're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but so he like, you know, obviously, you know, pours some gas on the on the thing and Mm -hmm. lights it up. And, you know, it's instantly fire and smoke and everything. And Brian uses the smoke as a as a distraction. Well, well, first he has to get some toffee apples. I mean, you really got (laughs) to forgot about (laughs) like she runs interference for Eddie. Like just toffee apples, and he's like, "I don't want no toffee apples." What? And she's like, "Yeah, but we got there's a couple different flavors. We got this kind." Of, and he's like, "No, I am not interested in the toffee apples. I've got somewhere to be." Uh, and, but yeah, he ends up he climbs up like the back of the bonfire and is able to get Charles without being burned, and you know without you know Eddie or the family seeing him. Yeah, they even get him loaded up into the, the their little truck. Yeah, they throw him in the back and speed off, and, you know, instantly Eddie sees them and, like, you know, jumps in his Jeep to chase him. Mm-hmm. And so then we're in, like, a high-speed chase, and, you know, Charles is like, I'm sorry that we argued, Brian. And he's like, I'm sorry, too, but, you know, we're going home. You're safe now. And we get a little bit of a high-speed chase on the country road. Yeah. And Charles says, this is looking perilous. Like, perilous, mm-hmm. we haven't really talked about that much but perilous is kind of a buzzword throughout the movie uh he says it several times and you know like obviously this time he's right like this is this is a perilous situation but brian gets hazel to take over driving the the truck and gets into the truck bed and unveils the first of his (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah so he's got this this big cannon that fires cabbage and he tries to fire it and it fails nothing happens typical yeah, bloody typical. <laughs> and so the, he, he just picks up the whole cannon and just fucking throws it at Eddie's Jeep and smashes the windshield. Can, can I ask this question? Uh, am I wrong in assuming, doesn't Eddie pull out a stick of dynamite and, like, throw it at them? He, I think it's fireworks, but yeah, he's, like, firing something at them. There's, like, sparks okay. flying past them. And so I, kinda, I think Hazel says, I'm like, oh, no, he's got another firework. Yeah. Which, like, while the bonfire's going, they were shooting off fireworks, so, you know, it makes sense, like, that he has those there. I was just thinking Eddie was going to take it a little bit too far. (laughs) He he sounds like that kind of guy, you know? Oh, definitely. But, yeah, so they end up, they they get 
home. Or I don't even, they're yeah they're like kind of at the end of the road. They're not like to the house because mm-hmm. like all the neighbors kind of come out. Right, and they're well they're stopped by uh, Eddie's daughters who took the four wheeler and cut them off Locked. at the pass. I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, like all the neighbors are kind of watching, and you know Eddie's like, "Give him back! I, I, he's got to go back on the you, not not give him back. Take him back and put him on the fire. You have to do it yourself now because you messed everything up." Mm-hmm. And Brian's like, "No, I'm not going to do that." And Eddie's like, "Am I going to have to embarrass you in front of the whole village, basically?" Right. And now this at this point, the town's actually, or Jones specifically, is like, "Hey, leave him alone. Leave him alone, Eddie." Yeah, and you know, again, going to that like a, a small town has to deal with the bad seed, basically, but they care for each other. So in this moment, when they're all together, they can kind of support each other and and kind of resist Eddie more than they usually can. There's another guy who's like, I, "I'm tired of you. You stole a, you, my Christmas tree, mm-hmm. and I saw it in your yard, and it had our same ornaments, so I know it was ours. And you said that you bought it. Like uh, everybody's just tired of Eddie's shit." Eddie comes up and starts shoving Brian, and he's like, I'm going to embarrass you in front of everybody. They go to take off their jackets because it's, it's fighting time, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly, this huge flat panel launches out of Brian's chest <laughs> on, like, this telescoping rod and just launches Eddie into his Jeep. He just, like, smashes into the side and falls on the ground. Looks like you just got blocked by my super shover. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Brian's like, it's over, Eddie. Right, but... Charles is not one to leave shit alone. He's like, you don't mess with Brian and Charles. And fire starts like firing cabbages at them from the cabbage gun yeah. that he somehow got back. Yeah. And so, yeah, Brian's like, oh, I thought it was over, but I guess it's not over. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, the neighbors are all kind of like, get out of here, go. And so, you know, Eddie right. and the family are well, like, deterred Pam, by all this. Pam actually uh, puts like a neat little uh, bow on this by... She is taking over the reins. Is like Eddie, get in the car. You know she's the dominant one now. It's like she's even tired of Eddie's shit at this point. Mm-hmm. They leave, and we're finally done with the like small window of like conflict in this story, <laughs> and we're back to what we want. <laughs> yep. Hello. <laughs> hey, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I realized I am not going to watch really sad, shitty parts of movies if I don't have to anymore. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, we, we've just got... Now we're back into, the, like, the documentary phase, too. We've got Brian and Charles. They're sitting on a bench in the garden. They're both being very quiet. And, mm-hmm. and Charles is like, you're awfully quiet, Brian. What's going on? And he's like, well, I've got a little bit of a surprise for you. So he pulls out a ticket and, and hands it to Charles. It's a ticket to go around the world. Yeah, and he's like, "Are you kidding me?" And he, are you like, kidding me? he looks to the yeah. He's like, "Are you guys? guys are you kidding me?" And he's like, and like Brian, like this is this is so like Brian is just like laughing with joy at this mm-hmm. chance to give his kid what he wants, right. and you know he's been so resistant to his kid growing up and moving on. But it's like once he finally sees Charles as his own person who's growing and, and he's happy that, he, that, Bri- or that Charles is growing. He's happy to be able to encourage that and encourage him to see the world. Uh, you know, and, and in fact, like, and that Charles is like, are you going to go with me? Like, I'm not, I'm not rebelling anymore. You're my dad. I'd love to go see the world with you. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's Charles' adventure this time. Yeah, I've got everything I need here in in our little village, but you need to go see the world. Mm-hmm. So go out and see that. And and Charles is like woohoo, and he's like stomping his feet like in this like cute little like tap dance. 
yeah. his little dance that he's been doing that he does yeah. the whole movie. That's a that's a subplot that we really haven't discussed. <laughs> is Charles's dancing through the movie is kind of a big like shuffle kind of his thing. He's yeah. known for his well, his Brad, dancing, which is really just tiptoe right. walking. Yeah. Well, Brian joins in on this the tiptoe walking dance. Right. Yeah. And then we just cut to Brian and Hazel dropping Charles off at the train station. And, yeah. and you know, uh, Charles is like, so where, where am I going first? And he's like, you know where you're going first. On a loop loop. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like getting ready to go. And he's like, before I go, and he gives Hazel a gift, which is another drawing. This time it's Brian and Hazel holding hands. And there's oh, still a cabbage over there to the <laughs> side. <laughs> well, hilariously enough, uh, Brian has also prepared something for Charles. He, he's giving him some money, and there's a Savoy cabbage in his bag. <laughs> a travel cabbage, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> the mobile cabbage. <laughs> and yeah, this this whole, it's it's very like sending your kid away to college. Mm-hmm. He like straightens Charles's tie, mm-hmm. uh, and Charles is like, I'll be fine. Uh, you know, I, I'll miss you, but I'll be okay. And he's like, I'll miss you too. And they like hug and they're they're crying. And then as he gets into the train, they uh, Hazel and Brian both yell for him to send them a postcard. And the train rolls away. Right. Well, see, here's the thing, though. This isn't over yet. I mean, the credits <laughs> are rolling, sure. We get some pictures of Charles going through his adventure. Mm-hmm. But we end it on the Charles rap. As every good movie must end with a rap song over the credits. About the movie you just watched. And it's Charles with his robot voice rapping over this, like, you know, really tinny little rap beat. It's wonderful. It starts around, like, the the credits are long. Mm-hmm. Oh, or yeah. not long, but it goes through the regular credits and then part of, like, the reg- the scrolling credits. So it starts around 129 mark in case anybody's, Yeah. <laughs> I were, I've flown on so many planes, I feel like I have wings. <laughs> right. The Charles Hotescu rap. Yeah. I thought that now Charles can create his own life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the best thing you could do as a creator is pass on to your creation the sense of responsibility mm-hmm. and empathy that comes with creating and let them go create their own thing like mm-hmm. as a creator there's nothing more more important that you can create than someone else's ability to create in a healthy way yeah. and i thought that's what developed with charles that was really special that i haven't seen in like a frankenstein movie before yeah like you definitely get a sense you know all the all the polaroids that we see at the first part of the credits of you know it's like charles in front of the pyramids and the leaning tower of pisa and mm-hmm. you know ultimately the last one is him with two hula girls on either side of him but like these these are things he has sent to brian you know and i feel like it's pretty safe to assume that charles will go back and see brian like he has not completely left his dad he's probably going to keep traveling the world because it's what he loves but he also loves his dad and like that's the thing you you let your kid go out into the world and they're not going to abandon you if they if they feel like they have the freedom to do what they want they will want to be part of your life. Yeah, I think it really highlights like both kids' desire for space and a parent's resistance to it, but yeah. also the way that can be balanced and pay off. Yeah. And that by allowing that space, that's how you come closer together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I really, I really like this 
I really like this one. Yeah, it's good. Like we keep saying, like this is the creator creation story that everybody like. You know, when we talked to Tim Kirk, you know, he was like talking about that the thing that draws him to Frankenstein stories is the parent story, mm-hmm. and like this is that parent story that you really want. Yeah. It's a beautiful movie. Like there, there are multiple moments in this movie that like I got very choked up. Like it's just, it's so sweet. It's just got such a big heart and. It is not at all a movie like he wanted to watch it and it was on and I was like, fine. By the way, it was on Peacock Mm -hmm. and now it's not anymore. Like it disappeared. You might be able to find it on Peacock, but we went, I tried to rewatch it today and we had to, we weren't able to find it streaming um, anymore, which was really weird, but it's not at all a movie I would have liked or thought I would have liked at all. But I do think it's a really special movie because it does like you said it is that happy ending it is what you want to see it's not it's not like ex machina where you walk away terrified for the future and just really overthinking ai and the singularity <laughs> um and it's not like frankenstein where you walk away thinking like you know how easy could it really be to chop to combine body parts <laughs> which maybe other people didn't actually think about when they walked away so that right. might have just been me um <laughs> But turning this one off and just thinking, like, cool, everybody everybody was content. And that never fucking happens in anything anymore. Yeah. Except, like, Great British Bake Off. <laughs> so, hooray. Yeah. Listen, hooray I've, for Brian and Charles. Listen, I've seen the Mexican food episode of that show. <laughs> no one walked away <laughs> happy there. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, 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 well, you know, that's... Yeah, uh, they tried. Yeah, <laughs> right. they, they, they tried. Fair enough. Do we got okay. anything else to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't recommend this enough. It's it's sweet. It's funny, uh, and like it has like a weird sense of humor that like usually would you like we said earlier like usually you can't do this and still have a lot of heart, but they yeah. just it's just it's a beautiful movie this but is yeah like that's marshmallow version of uh what is it was not vultures um oh uh, uh, flight of the concords yeah it's, it's like the marshmallow version of flight of the concords i yeah. can see that kind yeah of. there is a similar yeah. kind of tone of, of the humor in this for sure here's what i will say about the movie directed by jim archer is he really hit the bullseye? <laughs> he is the true prince of the dartboard. There you go. The, yeah, I love it. <laughs> you've been you've been hanging on to that this whole, the whole time. time you, yeah. Look. <laughs> I don't know how we managed to talk about. <laughs> Spent two hours talking about an hour and a half movie. All right, Kendall, but, now you have to do the clever boy dance. <laughs> I always do. I am doing the clever boy dance right now. All right. Well, yeah, if, if that's everything, um, I know you don't have social media. Do you have anything that you would like to promote or share with the audience? Um, I have a really cool dog. Mm-hmm. Um, the end. They do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> We have several dogs, but only one of them is really cool. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Listen, one's skittish and afraid of me, so I can't call it cool. That's my cool one. That's the oh, cool one. <laughs> All right, there's disagreement in this house now. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. No, I have uh, uh, nothing to shill. I have nothing uh, to share with the world. So <laughs> I have no social media. Social media blackout Fair enough. for me. But... Uh, you can follow the Frankencast oh. on at the Franken what 
at the tags <laughs> at the tags that they have. Yep, at, at the Frankencast at on Twitter and Instagram, also Tumblr and Hive and Mastodon that we don't use as much, but if those ever become like the main thing, we've got stuff set up there. Right. Um, you can email us uh, the Frankencast at gmail.com. And if Hive does not, I didn't know Hive was a thing, like a social media thing. I hadn't heard of it. Like whatever. But if they do not partner with Bumble, right. their marketing people need to they be fired fail. immediately. Hundred yeah, percent. Y'all can call me for ideas, logos, <laughs> whatever, but do your shit right. Yeah. <laughs> and like the it. most important place you can find us is Patreon.com/slash/TheFrankenCast, where if you enjoyed our special guest, we've got a couple episodes where we do deep dives into previous episodes of the Frankencast where we'll we'll pick one little topic within the episode and really dig into that you know at greater detail so you know if that sounds like something up your alley you know for And if you hated me that's yeah. fine just skip those episodes also an option Yeah there's 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 plenty of other stuff on there but you know I'm pretty proud of those. I think they've turned out well. So yeah. we need to go. This is like when you just stand and you end up like talking to your parents too long because you feel awkward making it to the car. Well, I tell you what. So so let's get meta next week, okay? I think okay. we. You know, I'm a big David Harbor fan, so I think we need to take a look at Frankenstein's monsters monster, Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> when we decided to do this show, this is the first thing that you mentioned to me that you wanted to make sure we we covered. We're finally getting to it. Yes, I love it. So, yep the uh, the strange Netflix short film <laughs> starring the Sheriff Hopper from Stranger Things. Uh, join us next week, and we'll we'll dig into that. All right, and we'll explore a, fam- a secret family legacy. Dun dun <laughs> dun, and to be continued. Yeah, I think this is going to end up being our longest episode ever. <laughs>